Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Zinc. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. People that shut down their laptop at 5 want that balance in life, want to go to the soccer game, 9 to 5 only. They don't work for me, I can tell you that. I hope they work for my competitors. Guys, I wish we were videoing this because Amy's face right now is just fucking priceless. (laughs) Fucking Kevin O'Leary, I used to like you, Mr. Wonderful. So that was, yeah, that was Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, if you're familiar. We are going to be talking about some of the things he just said. Now, most of us don't have anything that, like, extreme. <sighs> What's happening? I'm taking I'm a like, picture of her I'm right like now. rubbing my eyeballs, like. <laughs> so that I can post it so you guys can see her actual face while we're I don't we're even know what I was doing, this. but, like, I can't wrap my head around what Kevin O'Leary just did. So. <laughs> We do not live in a world to that extreme, most of us in our occupations, jobs, but what we are talking about today is where we do live, which is not good either. For someone who says they only hire people who wouldn't close their laptops at five and go to their children's soccer game, I don't even know what to say to that. That to me is, I'm, I'm completely flabbergasted. Maybe I'm a thousand for saying that word. I don't know, but... <laughs> well, that's more of an Amy word. <laughs> All of this is coming up for a couple reasons. One, have we made it clear enough that Amy went back to work? (laughs) I'm talking in the third person now. So I went back to work and it was brutal and it was eye-opening. And I will get into that later. Also, on July 25th, a TikTok video went viral. And I had seen it and I didn't really, I saved it and I didn't think much of it until NPR published an article about it. And I was blown away about how... This idea of quiet quitting is spreading. We wanted to talk about that because both of us had a misconception of what quiet quitting was at first. I initially thought it meant that you just sort of like put in your notice and slipped out the door and didn't make a fuss on the way out. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't understand exactly what it is. Why don't we tell everybody what's what is quiet quitting? Quiet quitting is not new, actually. It is something that's been around for a long time, but with this name, I suppose it's new. So it's doing what you are paid to do. It's having healthy boundaries. It's leaving the hustle culture behind a work-life balance to avoid 
burnout. So quiet quitting is to avoid burnout. It's not being lazy. It's not shirking your duties. It's just doing what you're paid to do. I kind of see it as taking control of your mental health and quitting doing the job of more than one person, which has been an expectation in work culture in the U.S. for as long as I am aware. I agree. When you decide to quietly quit or to think about that and take care of yourself, it is not taken well. (laughs) By those... By management. By management. (laughs) And okay, so let's let's back it up a little bit and talk a little bit about because Sarah and I are going to come at this from different places. She's in, she was in corporate. I'm in education. And strangely enough, a couple of the articles talk about these famous TikTokers right now. One's in corporate. One's a te- one's used to be a teacher. And they both have TikTok sites prominently talking about quiet quitting in those occupations, how to do it, why to do it, what is happening in those worlds. So we kind of have the same experience of coming from both ends. But before we get into that, I think it's so important to explain who Sarah and I are as workers. I think it's so important because I think when somebody sees this, like Kevin O'Leary, they think you're fucking lazy. lazy. I have spent 20 years in education working way over 40 hours, possibly 60, 70. I mean, I am talking consistently going above and beyond Knowing I wasn't going to be compensated, knowing that no one was going to give a shit, but knowing that that was what it was going to take to get my workload done. I am a worker bee. I like things to be the best they can be. I take a lot of pride in my work. And specifically, I work in a place where I take a lot of pride in how I affect the lives of the children who are put in my life that I'm supposed to teach and care for and, you know, all of these things. I take my job so fucking seriously. Um, I went to conferences on my own for many, many years. I read books in the summer. I've spent thousands of dollars on supplies. Thousands of your own dollars. Oh, God. (laughs) Always my own dollars. This was the first year that um, I did not. And that's only because very generous people spent the money for me and, you know, gifted me some items. I really want you to understand that I take education and being a teacher so seriously, so seriously that I have three degrees in it, a bachelor's, a master's and another master's. So I believe in it fully. That being said, I have decided coming back from the sabbatical that I'm going to quietly quit. I am very proud of you. Good for you. That's what I was hoping you would say. Let's time out. Sure. I have to be brutally honest here and authentic. Um, I was there till 7 o'clock on Friday. I know you were. Because there's a part of me that just can't. I can't let it go. I can't let those kids come into a bare room. It's not their fault that somebody's not giving me enough time to do what needs to be done to have what they need. My goal is to not do that again, but I did it. I did it against all the things I said I was going to do, but it's because it's who I am. And that's why hustle culture, especially in MLM world, worked so well for me. I used to pride myself on being able to outwork every motherfucker. Yeah. I was like, you might be smarter than me. You might have more money than me. I don't know, but I will outwork you and sleep three hours. (laughs) 
That is bullshit and gross. It is. It's similar to diet culture. I hate both of those things. I'm going to follow these youngins in this quiet quitting world so that I can save myself, my sanity, my mental health, and ultimately be a better teacher. For sure. All right. So here's where I'm coming from. I grew up as a latchkey kid because my parents worked until 10 o'clock at night every night. They hustle cultured their asses off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, to be fair, uh, my dad was thrown into the workforce at 14 and was forced to quit school. So he didn't even finish high school. So he had to build himself from nothing to the, you know, from the ground up. And so that was just, that was his life. And so that's how I was raised. And it was, I was always raised that you work harder than everybody else. Yes. And hard work also brings the things that, you know, hard work equals success. Right. Yes. And that was, proven to me mm-hmm. by where he had come from and so I was like all right this is how we do it and I worked my ass off from the time I had my very first job with him till leaving the corporate world in 2016 holy shit I can't believe it's been that long anyway I did everything to the max like if somebody asked me to do something I did it 15 times better than what they asked me to do if they asked me to do a I did a b c d e f g f mm-hmm. h i j k l m n p because it was like no 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 mine is going to be the best <laughs> yeah mine is going to be the most creative the most thorough the most beautiful the most epic thing that you've ever seen that's that was what I brought to work I worked at and I started, I was 22 years old and I started at the front desk. I worked from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. and would come back in and do it all over again. 12 hour shifts because they were switching over systems mm-hmm. and they put two of us, it was me and my best friend at the time, and they put two of us on these long ass ridiculous shifts mm-hmm. that were 12 hours. Not only was I working 2 p.m to 2 a.m. but I was going from to training for this new system from 9 a.m. to noon so I'd have this like two hour break where I would just go to the employee dining room eat something and then come back and then go to work so I was not getting paid for this training time right 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 uh but I was like I'm gonna learn this whole system and I'm gonna teach everybody and then I took it upon myself to train new employees even though I wasn't Mm -hmm. the trainer I wasn't Mm -hmm. getting paid as a trainer but I created a training workbook a manual and I trained every new employee I remember standing at the water cooler and filling my little like cone shaped thing with water yeah and I was just holding the thing down and water's just pouring over the sides over my hands down my arm on the floor because I was so out of it and tired I didn't even realize that water was just flooding the floor. And my supervisor was like, hey, Sarah. Yeah. He's like, are you okay? And I, in that moment, burst into tears and was like, no, I'm not okay. I am so tired. I need a break. And that was the first time. And I mean, yeah, I was only like 23 or something at the time that I realized that burning yourself into the ground like that was not going to do anybody any good. But I kept doing it. Right. For years. <laughs> Can I interject really yeah, quickly? Of because I think that's an interesting moment. About the same age, I had the same moment. I was probably a little bit older, maybe 24, 25. And I ended up being taken away in an ambulance because I was dehydrated. 
because I had drank so much caffeine because I wasn't sleeping. I was working day and night and I didn't even have kids. So, I mean, all I was doing was like, if you listen to our last episode, I'll say this. I was also going to church and doing church shit and working there (laughs) for free. Church shit. So I, I was doing that's so funny to me. I mean, because it's yeah, because it doesn't make it's like a you know church shit, church shit. <laughs> um, so besides that, though, working for my in my classroom and just wanting to just be the best, do the best for my kids. I mean, mine was a lot more like intrinsically like I just uh, I really really wanted to like bring the best possible lesson and everything for them, meet all of their needs and differentiate the shit out of it. And I remember standing in front of the kids. All of a sudden, I went blind. I had no idea stress could do this to you, but stress doesn't fuck up lost shit to my your vision. body. And I, mm-hmm. thankfully I had sixth graders and mm-hmm. I was like, guys, 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 I can't see anything. I can't see anything. And they were like, what? So they went and got someone. And then somehow somebody walked me to the nurse. And when I got to the nurse and I laid on the table, the left side of my body went like numb. Like I had no movement. So I'm now completely blind <laughs> with the left side of my body, unable to be like, moving and I'm like okay great I'm paralyzed too so I can just see knowing you mm-hmm. so well the thoughts that were going through your head is that you were definitely you had had a stroke and you were dying is that what was going through your head 1000 percent. I knew it I just 1000 percent <laughs> EMS comes I start to like get vision a little bit in my eyes and they're like talking to me and I can kind of sort of see things and they put me on the stretcher and they wheel me out and I'll never forget getting wheeled out the front door and this whole class of kindergartners looking at me like oh my god (laughs) terrified (laughs) terrified so anyways battery of tests spent a bunch of time in the hospital it turned out that they just said it was from stress dehydration stress panic attack whatever the fuck you want to call it all of those things so that was my first and not last hospital trip because of teaching school the things that we'll do to our bodies and our brains to do Uh what we need to to fulfill what's expected of us and that's the sad part so I'm I'm not going to go into like a ton of detail but you know in in corporate life you know when we moved to Pittsburgh and I started corporate life here again applied the same sort of gonna work nonstop. I've told you guys before that I had a neighbor who worked at the same place that would be like, oh, I saw Sarah coming home at seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night. And my boss was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what you all need to be doing. And I was like, yeah, look at me, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just it it was just stupid. We have international listeners. So if you're listening from another country and you're just like, what are you talking about? We would love to hear from you because I feel like this is an American thing. I could be wrong. There was one article about international, but I I would still love to hear because I'm not sure if it is everywhere. But But I think it's really very Americanized. I think it's a very American concept. Mm -hmm. Why is this the expectation of everyone? Why are we expected to work ourselves sick? I wanted to read this post from an Olympic runner who posted about basically this concept. So um, it's from Allison Felix, and she had a contract with Nike, you know, to do endorsements for them. Mm -hmm. When Allison Felix became pregnant, Nike was prepared to cut the terms of Felix's endorsement by as much as 70% due to the pregnancy and told her to, quote, know your place and just run. Amid all of this, she was forced to have an emergency C-section seven months into her pregnancy because of a potentially life-threatening condition, and her baby had to live for more than a month in the NICU. But two years later, she's qualified for her fifth Olympics with her daughter watching. 
Felix dropped Nike and created her own brand of running shoes, the Seish One. She is currently running in the Olympics in Japan, wearing them under the banner, quote, I know my place. With 11 medals now, she has passed Carl Lewis this summer for the most track and field medals by an American in history. She says, quote, I used my voice to build this company for you so that you never have to train at 4.30 a.m. while you're five months pregnant to hide your pregnancy from your sponsor. I have chills, too. I mean, I, <laughs> I would love to see people taking back their power because I will say that quiet quitting is kind of passive aggressive in a way, but it also can be a way to sustain yourself and your mental health and your physical health. You know, it's it's a privilege for people who just can say, fuck off, I quit. Exactly. And I, I wanted to talk about that a little yeah. bit. What we're doing with quiet quitting is we're just putting a Band-Aid. And one person on TikTok, her name is uh, Millennial Miss Frizz. Remember Miss Frizz from, from the Magic School Bus? I thought that was a clever tag for her. But anyway, so she says, quiet quitting for teachers is a band-aid to a systemic problem. It's a coping mechanism, just a survival tactic. And she's right. You could take that over to anything. You could take that to corporate. You could take that to an hourly job. You could take that anywhere, right? It's nothing but a band-aid. So I don't feel super empowered by doing it, I feel like I'm surviving in a really shitty situation. Mm-hmm. My heart is truly in it. And if you listen to any teacher, theirs is too. But that does not mean that we can be taken advantage of like this. Right. So I guess that's what we're here to talk about is this is the big question when it comes to quiet quitting. Because I, I've, I listened to a bunch of podcast episodes about it. I read some articles and what every single one of them kept saying was, why not just actually quit? And I got a lot to say about that. Me too. It sounds to me like both of us had places in our lives where we started to realize like this is probably because our our physical health came out, said this is not good for you. But for me, the biggest thing that happens is that someone dies. So my husband died and I thought, fuck, life is short, right? Life is really, really short. Then a teammate died Mm -hmm. and I just thought, holy fuck, watching the response on the other end from the powers that be in regards to her death disgusted me. Are you okay? Are you comfortable talking about that a little bit? It's what you see on every post that teachers or other people in other professions make it's that they will replace you before you're in the ground you are so replaceable she was such a dear friend of mine and the best fucking teacher just like the best teacher ever in sense it was so insensitive it broke my heart and it broke me as a it it broke my spirit we'll say that it broke my spirit and that was it I was done I could no longer be the person who volunteered to do A, B, C, and D. You know, I could no longer go to conferences on time that I pay for and that I'm doing, you know, out of my own, just wanting to be a better teacher. And it's just because no one cares. They did not care that she gave her life at that school. I don't want to get into super specifics just because of not because of the school, because of her privacy. Sure. But it doesn't leave me for a moment. 
I think about it all the time when I feel like, oh, well, maybe I'll just do another thing and another thing and another thing. They, they, they can't fool you anymore. They don't care. They didn't care about me when I was not well at all. In fact, it went the opposite direction and they shamed me for it. You're a cog in the wheel. As a parent who knows it's the same for my kids' teachers, because I know how that district runs as well, breaks my heart because those teachers are the fucking best and they take care of my babies when I can't be with them and they support and care for them. It's a broken system. And sometimes I've had administrators who do care about me, but that doesn't really like go all the way to the tip top and it doesn't do anything. But if someone were to notice some extra thing I've done or just even the fact I've done above and beyond my regular duties, pay me. Also, I don't like want a gift card. Like I want money like in my check. You don't want a $5 Chick-fil-A gift card, Amy? No, I want money in the check, please. Um, please. Um, I also <laughs> would really like it if you just said, hey, how are you doing? You just came back from a medical sabbatical. Like, how are you? Like, are you feeling better? And if anyone noticed the efforts of my creativity or the above and beyondness, positive reinforcement would work. Yeah. I'm just telling a, you, it would work, guys. You're doing a good job. I see you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you stayed. Thank you. Not like, that's what I expect, but thank you. Like, I really appreciate that. I know you can't do it every night, and I know there's going to be times you might have to, like, be late because your kid has to get on the bus, school bus. But I see the whole picture. We need compassionate leaders. And that's not just It is not. This carries over. This carries this, over. This carries over to all work places. I don't want there to be a laser focus where people think that you're only talking about one particular I am not talking about one particular system I have taught in five districts across the country I have a plethora of stories I can tell you about any of them I also am not just talking about teaching I am talking about oh my god nurses (laughs) can we please yeah yeah the medical world these are people caring for your bodies and your your ability to live right right could, could we maybe like give them appropriate breaks do you ever notice that I, I hear this from doctors and nurses is that they have the worst health care i did not know that uh-huh. how weird is that that's bizarre so backwards so it, ass backwards <laughs> We have both experienced very shitty situations when it comes to workplace leadership and their lack of caring for your personal situations. I am going to say something that's kind of fucked up right now. I am so happy that I got cancer after I left the corporate world because I cannot imagine having to navigate they the time they off. Let you go and everything that I would have that I went through. I had surgery literally like every three to four mm-hmm. months. I was having a surgery. Oh my, like I can't even fathom what would have happened to me if I had still been in the corporate world during that time. What I can say is that my husband was teaching and <laughs> that that didn't go well for it him. It did not go well for no. him. No. He had been hired and then a month later I was diagnosed. So you can imagine how that went. He asked off for a couple of times to 
will first of all go with me to get a fucking double mastectomy done. That's that's kind of important and to have the cancer support. Yeah. from my body. So that was a big deal because he had only been working for two months at that point. The thing that got me, and this is what kills me, that has been my experience across the board, you know, everybody else may have experienced something different, was that there was this false support front. Oh, yeah. Of we're here for you. We're going to do what they do that real well. Yes. And then there were it was it was sneaky. It was very sneaky because there was this email that went out that said, I want basically said, I want all the dirt you have. So that's just a witch hunt. It's a blatant witch hunt. For for taking time off to like help to take to care for your But Here's what they see. They see oh shit, she's got cancer. He's going to need to take a lot of time mm-hmm. off. This is not going to be a this one is and not done going, thing. This is not going to um, make our lives any easier. We are not here to malign any particular entity. We're here to talk in general terms about the fucked upness. Again, I use that word. Listen, you don't have to of like American culture. say, yeah, you don't even have to say that I'm talking about one particular thing. Go and read some of these articles. Google quiet quitting and read the thousands of articles that come up because everyone is dealing with this shit. And it's a culture. So we've talked about hustle culture before, right? Hustle culture is a big reason why we're here at this point. Why we're here at Quiet yes. Quitting is because of hustle culture. I have this friend who 90% of his Facebook posts are about his job. Really high up in this company. And their thing is day one hustle. So they want you to come every single day with the attitude and the hustle that you bring on day one of any job. Go fuck yourself. They have shirts and stickers and banners. And it's like the sign in their office. And every new employee gets their picture taken in front of this sign. I know this because he posts about it every day. So I get to see I all these posts see my all the face. time. <laughs> She's got the stank face. <laughs> I don't like that. So it is just like hustle, 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 hustle. And they have people talking on their website about what day one hustle means to them and what hustle culture means to them. It's sort of like, you know, what you're posting about on social media is are the highlights, like the highlight reels of your yeah. life, right? Like you're putting out there the highlight reels of your life. This is These were the, the most important things. These are the things that... I find interesting Mm -hmm. or funny or whatever. It's the highlight reel. So if 90% of what you're posting on there is your work, like, I don't know. I just, he's just really bought into the culture. That's all. Yeah. But I think about the quality of life. Like, what is that like? Like what's, well, he is like, he could go work for Kevin O'Leary. Exactly. And Kevin O'Leary would love it. Yes. Because he doesn't want anybody that closes their laptop at 5 PM to go watch their kids play soccer. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. Fuck your kids. Fuck your kids' soccer games. <laughs> I, and, I, and I think about all workplaces and how they really, really work under this idea of fear. A culture of fear that you're going to get in trouble, that you're going to get fired, that you are going to be poor and under a bridge when you retire. Right. Like there's this, there's this fear that's instilled in you that only perpetuates it. We've talked about this on before on here before, and this goes right along with the fact that keeping busy and hustling is just as bad as doing some crazy drug or being an alcoholic or whatever, because it's a coping mechanism for your mental health. Yes, 
And it's going to wreak just as much havoc on your physical health as those other things are. But Ugh. your work loves it. Yeah. But as any any employee, you know, who you're not replaceable to, you're not replaceable to your coworkers. Mm-hmm. You're not replaceable to your clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I'm not replaceable to the parents. Mm-hmm. I'm not replaceable students. to the students. Those people value you and you wish they could like be in charge of it all. Yeah. Because that's where it matters. Right, right. And that is who you're not replaceable to. And it's too bad that the powers that be can't see that. Yeah. I'm not sure why people behave that way. It could be the way they were brought up. It could be they don't know any better. But sometimes I just want to take some of these people and ask, like, are you okay? Yeah. And like, really, like, I really want to know, like, I don't hate anybody. Like, are you okay? What is driving you to behave in such an inhumane way? Right. That's what I want to know. That is the way that I have compassion for the people who are so not nice to me and make life hard for me. Personally, that's how I handle it. I don't know if that'll help any of you out there. Unfortunately, I'm not ever going to say that to anyone, but that's how I get past it. That's how I continue on is I just think, man, something's not right. Their life has to be really unfulfilled or they have some unhealed trauma or there's something going on that I don't know about. I'm not excusing it, but I wish them the best. Yeah. (laughs) And whatever you're going to say and do to me, it has nothing to do with me. No, it absolutely doesn't. And never say never. I feel like at some point you might utter those words. And I'll be real proud of you and standing right beside you when you do. You know what? I might. (laughs) Because it's who I am. I'm an empath. I'm an intuitive empath. And I can't help myself. And I worry about all of humanity and all the people and even the ones who are assholes. Because you're an asshole for a reason. Everyone that's an asshole is an asshole for a reason. It doesn't excuse your behavior, but you're an asshole for a reason. And Mm -hmm. maybe nobody else is asking you, are you okay? I want to dive into a little bit of the question of why not just quit. Coming from a personal perspective, you know, my dad always used to say, well, at least you know where the snakes lie. When I would say like this place, holy shit, there's this person and that person that makes my life miserable and whatever. And he would say, well, but while you're there, you know where the snakes are. I'm not saying that that's a correct no. way to look at things at all, because I, d- I don't think it is actually anymore. Mm-hmm. But that was that's a re- one of the reasons that, you know, I would stay someplace for so long. Another thing is I've now been out of corporate life since 2016. Finding another job is not as easy as people think it is. Yeah. So there's that fear of not having the support, the financial support, the health care whatever you need and whatever you get from these jobs and from these careers that you need for yourself and your families. So there's a fear that goes along with it. I agree. I also think that there is privilege in quiet quitting. And I think that's another white privilege situation. 100%. And in my profession, white male privilege. They quiet quitted back in the 1900s. Okay. Dudes be quiet quitting since like forever for centuries. (laughs) Forever and ever and ever and ever. So as much as you have the ones who are like hustling and like posting, you have a lot of quiet quitting white men. Yeah. Just kind of rolling on through. (laughs) It's real hard for a woman, a woman of color, woman, a man of color. And we can't forget that. So, you know, it might not be an option for, you know, 
me as a widow, I've decided that my health is the best, is the most important thing for my children and my students and everyone. So that always comes first. But there still is that factor of like, I support my children. You don't want to be on the shit list who's going to get kicked off first. Mm -hmm. And sometimes quiet quitting could do that for you. And so it is, it isn't something that like, you can't just say like, oh, just do this. That's presumptuous. Yeah, it is. And so I think that that might be the part of the picture that isn't being represented in the articles currently. Some people just really, you know, need that money. And a lot of these, like, what are they called? Are they millennials? No, I'm a millennial. You're not a millennial. No. You're Gen X. Okay. Is it millennials then? Millennials are right after us. Okay. I'm actually technically an elder millennial because I'm the first year of millennials. Okay. Well, a lot of these people <laughs> who are younger, you better take that out. Uh-uh. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, I'm thinking they still live at home. I know. You have, you have this, you have this, like, support, this comfort cushion that you can fall back on. So, like, I applaud your badassery. <laughs> but at the same time, you don't have much to lose. The, what, those living at home? I was living at home with no kids and no spouse and no, no, like you've got, okay, you've got student loans. Yeah. But you know, I mean, and they are the ones that are being badass and outspoken, but I mean, at the same time, like, (laughs) uh, sorry, I think you're thinking Gen Z. Am I? Yeah. Why are these generational terms so difficult? Can it be like A, B, C, D? I know. Well, because they keep moving stuff around too. So for like, they moved what a millennial was because I was Gen X and then they moved it to 1980 for millennial. So what's 78? Gen Gen X. Yeah, Gen X. Really? We're going to look. We're going to pause. Okay. So Gen X is 1965 to 1980. Okay. So I'm Gen X. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then millennials are 81 to 96. And then Gen Z is 97 to 2012. Oh my God. Wait, people born in 2012 or 10. What? What is life right now? I, I can't. Have, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Anyway. Anyway. This idea of work-life balance, of leaving hustle culture, of avoiding burnout. I'm not sure what else to encourage people to do other than quietly quit to take care of yourself. Until there is just a complete overhaul of the system. Yeah, because it's like, okay, so if you do stand up and speak out and say, like, this isn't right. I promise you it will get you nowhere. But it's, (laughs) but that's the thing. Like, okay, but then how do we make change? So it's this whole, this whole catch 22 of you can't speak up because you're replaceable and someone else is just waiting in the wings to take your spot True. and take over your True. job. So if you speak up and say that this is unfair working conditions and you're expecting way too much of me this and I'm only going to do yes, I'm only going to do what I was hired to do. This is what my job description says. Mm-hmm. I'm doing what's within my job description, what I was hired to do. They will fire your ass. And so how do we make change? That's the question. How do we create change? How do we move forward and evolve the way that this culture has enveloped us? I think that a lot of people over COVID have come to this realization of what work ba- work-life balance really looks like. I mean, that's what caused the great, res- uh, the great, the great uh, resignation. resignation. 
So 4.4 million U.S. workers quit their jobs in February of 2022. And then there's millions more who have quit in months prior and months since. That's bananas to me. I know. So people are, I guess, just saying, fuck it. Damn. That says something. It does. And That's they were, speaking up. And they were even saying, like, re- reclaiming it as the great reinvention. So this is where my brain kind of goes. Because I've been in so many situations where we're like, we're short-staffed. We're short-staffed. So we need you. You've got to do this. You've got to pick up the slack here. I'm going to need you to add on, you know, A through L to your job description because we're short staffed because so many people have left. So yeah, you're speaking up. Yeah. You're doing this. So I guess if those people say, "Mm, sorry, I'm not going to pick up a through L for you because we're short staffed. I'm going to do what I was hired to do and cross our fingers that we don't get fired. Like (laughs) it has to be a power of numbers. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. It has to be a power of numbers. One person isn't going to make or break anybody's business. I know exactly what I got into when I went to a million years of college to do this job. I know exactly what it is. And I am willing, ready and willing to put that work in. So that's not it. It's all the other stuff. Yeah. So that's what we're standing up for. Mm-hmm. But that's not happen. That's not going to happen because I just don't see people um, doing that out of fear and saying like just be quiet just be quiet just just lay low I love that one just lay low can't you lay low (laughs) Amy can't you just lay low goes against every fiber of your being Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so what do you think warriors what's the solution we ask you all the time to tell us your stories and I'm very curious we are very curious how is your work life? What is it like? Is it toxic? Is it supportive? Do you work from home? Does that make it better or worse? How have things changed for you over the years? And where are you at in this process? Are you ready to quiet quit? Are you ready to quit quit? Quit quit. quit, quit. Are you in a healthy working environment where your child gets sick and they are concerned and they say, no, 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 go take care of your kiddo. I'll see you tomorrow. All of this can wait. I'm just waiting for somebody to say that to me. Or have you been quietly quitting for years? Oh, my God. We'll keep this anonymous. Yeah. You don't all have to be so as ballsy as we are. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we all know some quiet quitters from the past that we've worked with before that you're just like, really, could you just could you do something more? And and now I look at them and I'm like, they're the real American heroes. (laughs) And let's not shame people if they're doing their job and they're, you know, meeting the expectations of the job. I hope all of you out in the land of working are taking care of yourselves first. I do want to say that working for Stitch Fix is was probably the best work environment I've ever experienced. Yeah. Such a supportive team, such supportive leadership. The company in itself is super supportive. They're very forward thinking when it comes. And it's really sad that I have to say forward thinking when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion. They are out there Mm -hmm. speaking for diverse folks and creating a space for them in the workplace. Um, A day wouldn't go by where I wouldn't get some sort of email where it was like, 
join this support group if you yeah. you know want to be part of this group that's you know helping one another and speaking out for one another in this diverse section of you know the world and it was just it was a really great place to be so I just really want to give them props publicly for them on you know the show and say that like if you're looking for a great place to work Stitch Fix is definitely the place so one more question for all of you and I'm wondering if there's somebody out there that runs a company that is the boss Mm. that is the CEO that is the administrator and you are leading the charge in a healthy work environment. How are you doing it? And why are you doing it? And we want to hear from you. I would love to interview you. Yes. And then you can hire me. Because here's the yeah, exact <laughs> stop. I would love to interview you. Please. I want to know how you're able to, as a a company owner and running a company because you know if you're owning if you own that company you have a fucking fire in yourself yes, you for do. that company yeah you have a passion because you've whole, got this everything's in it yes everything is in it how do you run that company knowing that for a fact I mean it's just going to be a fact people that your employees are not going to feel the same way. Mm -hmm. It's not their company. Mm -hmm. It's not their passion. It's not their fire. So how do you run that company with a healthy environment, giving your employees the support that they need, knowing that you're taking your work home with you and you're going home at night and thinking about it and sleeping and dreaming and eating and everything, this company, but knowing that you still have to support the people that are, are making it happen for you and that they're not doing the same thing. It's just like this balance. As just someone who would love to be in charge, <laughs> if you inspired me enough as well as cared enough, as well as understood enough when I did have situations, kids being sick, daycare falling through, whatever, I would fucking go to the ends of the earth with you. Mm, good point. So we just need some better leaders. Ain't that the truth? That's a lot to chew on, peeps. That's a lot to chew on. <laughs> but now you all are in the know. You know what? When people talk about quiet quitting, what it is. And you're all like Sarah and me and think that you're just, you're just Irishing, Irishing your out job. of your job. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love that. Oh, my gosh. We hope that you have a wonderful week, Warriors, and you stay wild. And weird. We love you. This episode was brought to you by Amy Baumgartner and Sarah Simone. The theme song and our other music is provided by Epidemic Sound. This episode was mixed, mastered, and produced by Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. If you have a mental health journey you'd like to share, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com, or you can reach out on our website, www.unqualifiedtherapists.com. Until next time, warrior, hold on. We're gonna make it. Say it now, say it proud, shout it out, make it with me.